let's have a look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 26 through till 39. There we go. Let's go. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over his, the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the, servant, the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Wow. So here we are, we're meeting Mary, a character or a lady in the Christmas story that I'm sure we've met many times. Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I find a lady who's either highly esteemed and elevated beyond her human existence or state, or actually I find she's dismissed or passed over. And often I think that's because we want to avoid lifting her up too high. So we don't think about her too much. But actually, I think we've got a young lady here who's quite amazing. A lady from Nazareth in Galilee. Not a great place, apparently. Not a place uh, where you choose to live. It wasn't up and coming. It wasn't famous before Jesus uh, came on the scene. It was a poor area to live. And Mary is a young lady who lives here. Oh, actually, hang on, a young lady? We might want to call her a young girl because we find that she's 12, 13, 14. It's quite a young girl, really, isn't it? So, and she was probably from a poor family. Now, we discovered in this, this passage that she was betrothed, she was promised to be married. She was promised to be married to a humble man, a workman, who was a carpenter, and his name was Joseph. Now, a fact that we come across later on that's important, Joseph was descended from King David. So here we are, Mary, probably going about her everyday business, and an angel of God came to speak to her. This young teenager was visited by an angel. Greetings, you who are most highly favoured. 
Now, I understand that most highly favoured isn't a usual greeting in the time. It wasn't like a good morning or a hi. It was, these were special words. And rightly so, because she is most highly favoured in the eyes of God. But goodness me, just imagine an angel there speaking to her. She's surely terrified. In the words of the scripture, it says, um, she was greatly troubled. Uh, possibly an understatement. Probably terrified. But the, the angel continued. Continued speaking, foretelling the miracle that would change the future of all mankind. And in just a few lines or a few verses, we find that the angel outlines the change of destiny for both Mary and for us today and for everyone in between. Now, Mary would have heard and learned about the coming of the Messiah. The tradition for her in her time would be that she would have heard scriptures read within the ladies' confinement of the synagogue. She would have heard words read over her, and she would have known about the Messiah. She would have heard that this Messiah would come one day and would set her people free set her people free from the Roman rule and the domination of the Romans over her people group. They would be free. She would have heard the prophets of old read aloud in the synagogue. She and other Jewish girls possibly would have chatted together about someone at some stage, some lady giving birth to the Messiah. And here she is, listening to an angel who is standing in front of her, saying that she is going to be the Messiah's mum. For unto me a child is born, is what she would have been thinking. If we have a read of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now we can take a look through the Bible and we can come across a number of rather unlikely men and women that God chooses to use to accomplish his plans and his purposes. And I think they're often men and women that we would look at today and probably write off and dismiss because they're often not great examples 
of wonderful human beings. But you know, God uses them. So we've got Moses. Moses was the prince of Egypt. Now Moses, he actually killed a man, buried him in the sand, and then ran away to another country. But God still used him. We've got Rahab, a prostitute, who was used by God. And of course, a prostitute would have been outcast from her society, but God used her. She was used by God to help hide Joshua's spies in the city of of Jericho, and she hid them and lied to the king's officials, which actually was all in God's plan for his people. And what about Esther? We can read Esther and see this glamorous story of a beautiful queen, but Esther was a young, beautiful, orphaned girl, Jewish girl, who was rounded up, forcibly taken by King Xerxes to enter his harem. And he actually chose her to be queen because she was the most beautiful of the women. Not a good place to be, but she was in the right place at the right time because she had the ear of the king, which meant, in the story of Esther, she was there to save the Jewish people. She was at the right place at the right time. And you can look at Gideon, his story. You can look at Joshua, you, uh, sorry, Jonah. You can look at Saul, who changed his name to Paul. All men and women that you think, really? Use them? But yes, God did. God does choose the unlikely or those that we think are unlikely to fulfill his purposes. Look around you. We do have a room full of unlikely men and women. God used this unlikely young lady, this teenager Mary, who was poor and uneducated to be the mother of Jesus, the Messiah. And you know, we're unlikely too, aren't we? Unlikely to be used by God. But no. We aren't rich. We're not powerful. We don't have positions of authority. We don't have the ear of the prime minister. We can't whisper things to her. We don't have the ear of of other world rulers, but because of our lowly state and because of God, we can be used. The standards of this world are turned upside down. And we can read that in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27. Just a little verse says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Wow. I think that's all of us, isn't it? Now, Mary would have understood the significance of the angel Gabriel's words, and her response was amazing. She doesn't argue or deny what the angel is saying, but does she, she does actually ask, how? How? Now, this simple teenager actually shows more faith 
than Zechariah, the old priest, that you can read about a little bit earlier on in the chapter. Now, he was told by this same angel. So he's had the same experience as Mary with this angel standing in front of him. And he was told that he and his wife would have a son, even though they were both old. But hang on, his response wasn't so good. He questioned Gabriel. Now, Mary questioned, didn't she? She said, how? But he questioned with unbelief in his heart. Now, the angel Gabriel has some wonderful words. I might be putting a mum's tone into these words, so, you know, I don't know the tone in which Gabriel said it. But he may well have said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to you to tell you this good news, and now you'll be silent because, uh, and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at a proper time. Stern, hey? But Mary's question didn't come from that unbelief. Her question raises the issue that she is a virgin. And actually, we find that her saying this, asking this question, fulfills the words of Isaiah. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So her response was full of faith and obedience in contrast to another lady that we can meet, one of her own ancestors. Now, her name was Sarah. She's found in Genesis, chapter 18. And Sarah and Abraham, their husband and wife, and Sarah is also told that she and her husband will have a son. They will conceive a son together. But Sarah's response was to laugh at what the angel said. And she questioned, how can this be? But to make it worse, when the angel asked Abraham, why did your wife laugh? She denied it. She should have known better. She may well have been cynical. And actually, I think we live in a cynical generation, don't we? We can all be rather cynical. And... and Dare I say it, young 13-year-olds can also be rather cynical. But this teenager isn't. She's open. She's honest. She's full of trust in the truth of God's words. And she simply says, yes, Lord. Now, from what we've read here, there are actually gaps that we can fill in from historical information um, that could have terrified this young 13-year-old. And I think, actually, from where we stand today, if we were to read that she was frozen with fear, we wouldn't blame her. I think we'd understand. Because we know that Mary is betrothed. She's promised to be married to the carpenter Joseph but she's not yet married. 
and she's just been told she's going to have a baby, she's going to be visibly pregnant fairly soon, and this consequence will be judged, won't it? And we know that society would have looked at her and seen an adulterous relationship. They would have seen that she has committed a sin. Or at best, if it weren't an adulterous relationship, it would have been Mary and Joseph having sex together before they were married. Still doesn't matter. She's still in trouble. It really is huge. And remember, this young lady, she knew her scriptures. She would have heard things read aloud in the synagogue. She possibly would have heard Deuteronomy chapter 22 read out, which says and calls for any man or woman found sleeping together or having sex together to be taken out of the town to the gate and stoned to death. She would have known this. She could have been frozen in fear. I think I would have been frozen in fear. It is huge, but instead, it's a beautiful response. She joins Elizabeth. She gets up and she travels to Zechariah and Elizabeth's house to see the fulfillment of the angel's words concerning their child. Mary is a really good example to us of obedience and faith and also of encouragement because she goes to Elizabeth and she encourages Elizabeth, her old cousin. We can actually sense in this scripture the attitude of this teenage girl. She doesn't inflate her own importance She doesn't suddenly become this saint that we can often see portrayed. History and religion through the years has built this young lady up, but instead, in her words, she declares that God is her saviour and she still needs saving too. So in the face of the majority of her society, who would not have believed her story. She left. She left her home to go to Elizabeth. The words actually are quite simple. They just say she got ready. But actually, she got ready is very proactive. She doesn't sit back. She doesn't hide. Doesn't tuck herself away. But she gets ready for what has been spoken over her. And you know, we can learn from that because I believe that when God speaks to us, we must also get ready. And we can also learn that in the same way that Mary went to Elizabeth, we too can get around people that do us good, that will build us up, that will speak life into us, that will listen to the Holy Spirit for us and with us. We need to get around people that will build us and that will disciple us. And this is what this relationship would have been with Mary and Elizabeth, a discipleship relationship that strengthens her. And actually, 
I think in her, her moving away, her moving on from her home, she also left Joseph behind. But in leaving him behind, she left him to the angels. And that we, we know the angels spoke to him too. So let's have a, a look at um, Mary's song. Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. It's called Mary's song. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in my God, my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Wow. Mary's heart really overflows, doesn't it? She sings out her heart, her adoration to God in quite a unique way. But actually, not so unique, because we have met one or two others in the Old Testament that sung out in this sort of way. And this song is very similar to a lady that we meet in the Old Testament called Hannah. She was a Jewish lady who's desperate to conceive a child. She's actually, if you read the story, she's ridiculed by other women for not being able to have her own child, and she cried out to God. She, she was accused of being drunk, she prayed so much. She cried out with all her heart. She was totally desperate. And God, in his mercy, heard her prayer and gave her a son. Now, that son, you can read about, and his name is Samuel. And when Samuel grew up, he went into service in the temple and he was trained by the priests. And as he grew, he became the judge of Israel. He became a rescuer and a, the prophet. And he was also the kingmaker. This is Hannah's son. So now Mary is given the role of bringing up and nurturing God's greater promise the bigger Samuel. Now, the child Samuel pointed toward the greater judge, the greater prophet and king, whose name is Jesus. So no wonder Mary took Hannah's song and burst out in worship using those words. It really feels like that Mary truly knows that God is the lover of the poor and the lowly, and he has chosen the weak. While he is mighty, he is the strong one. She compares, doesn't she, 
his magnitude and greatness with her lowly state. And you know, we can read these words and they can be so familiar at this time of year. But actually, we can join with Mary. She says, the mighty one has done great things for me. Take a minute. Has the mighty one done great things for you? I reckon he has. <coughs> I know it's true. He has loved us. He has healed us. He has provided for us. He truly has changed our lives. We can join with Mary and say the mighty one has done great things for me. I think you can agree with me that Mary worships God in a really personal and intimate way. And there aren't so many people that, that um, worship God in, in this way before the new covenant, before we, we understand all that Jesus opens up for us. There's King David in the Psalms, and obviously we get a touch of it from Hannah, don't we? Because Mary imitates her song. But this personal and intimate way of worship that she expresses surely shows that she's understood the mercy of God, that he is forgiving and, and he's opening up a new way for us because it impacts us hugely because we can have a freedom in worship and we can be intimate with the living God in our worship. So this is a story of Jesus being conceived by Mary. Again, so familiar. We hear it every year, don't we? We could tell it to our neighbours quite easily. It is a one-off, unique event. It won't happen again like this. And yet, it is the story of how God himself continues to conceive his call and his promises in each and every one of us. He continues to speak. God is not silent. He continues to speak to us. We may not have an angel stand in front of us, but that does not mean that God is silent. He has many promises for each and every one of us. And we need to choose to trust and obey. Remember those examples. Zachariah was a priest. We would say he knew what he was doing, and yet his response wasn't right. What's our response like? In the same way, we need to be like Mary, don't we? We do need to be humble. We mustn't be full of ourselves. We mustn't be self-absorbed or self-dependent. We can all be self-dependent. That's a tough one to move away from, but we need to realize we need God's strength. Instead, we need to come in worship. We need to be bowed down, and we do need to be saying, yes, Lord. We mustn't have a false humility. You know, if God speaks to us, we mustn't have a false humility that actually allows little lies to take root in our mind and in our heart 
that then grow. What do I mean by this? Well, I mean allowing things like, well, God couldn't use me, could he? But use the person next to me because they're better than me. But Mary's song said, yes, he can. And we know that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So however you see yourself, maybe it is with a wrong humility. God couldn't use me. I can't, I can't serve God. I can't do it. Or I've got nothing of worth. I'm useless, not very clever. I can't say those long words. I don't know. Or I'm too young, or I haven't got enough money. I'm too busy, there's so much to do, and no one will help me. Or I'm, I'm too old. Whatever it is, you can insert your own words into that phrase. But we must remember Mary's story says that we should welcome the Holy Spirit and let him bring to birth God's plan in our lives, his purposes for obedience to him in your life and in my life. Remembering not to have any cynicism. If he speaks some big things over you, you've got to step into it and trust that he knows what he's doing because he does. And get around people who stir faith. Remember, Mary went to Elizabeth, didn't she? And Elizabeth built her up. It was part of the getting ready. Get around people who do you good. It's okay to step away from people who don't do you such good. Have truth spoken over you. Do yourself good. But in humility. Remember, Mary still said she needed saving. She is, or was, the mother of the Messiah. You probably, we won't have that again, will we? And yet she still said she needed saving. We all need to remain humble before God, not inflating our own ego. Let's come to God with a happy happiness in worship. Daily saying yes and living in that choice. This is our call. This is what we've called, been called to, and we must respond to him. I've just seen Ian get up. But it would be lovely to respond in some worship. So if the band could come up, that would be marvellous. And let's worship with an intimacy and a freedom that Mary knew.